You are now listening to the Well, That Wasn't Helpful podcast, created and hosted by me, R. Hollis, brought to you by WVCW Radio, all student-led radio at VCU. Enjoy. Hello, I am your host, R. Hollis, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Well, That Wasn't Helpful podcast. This podcast gives young adults the opportunity to share their personal experiences, ranging from unhelpful medical experiences to sharing life advice in hopes of helping others in similar situations. Today, we are going to have a guest that I have known for quite some time, and I am beyond excited to give them the floor to talk today. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Juno. I'm 16. I'm almost 17 in April, um, and my pronouns are they, he, she, and I'm excited to be here. So the objective for this episode is going to be on transitioning as a teenager, along with juggling school, relationships, self-care, anything under that. And then Juno is going to highlight being transgender and autistic, because that is definitely important to share. Before we begin, I will go over terms that will be used throughout the episode. Transition or transitioning. This can mean a variety of things and it all depends on the person. It can mean that someone is medically transitioning into the opposite sex with surgery and or hormones. It can also involve changing your name and preferred pronouns, changing your appearance and the clothes that someone wears, and not necessarily all of those things. Transgender or trans, trans male, trans female, and trans person is a term that includes the many ways that people's gender identities can be different from the sex that they were assigned at birth. Transgender people are diverse in their gender identities, the way you feel on the inside, gender expressions, the way you dress and act, and sexual orientations, the people you're attracted to. It's always best to use the language and labels that the person prefers, so just ask. Cisgender, those who identify as the sex they were assigned at birth. Gender dysphoria is a term that psychologists and doctors use to describe the distress, unhappiness, and anxiety that transgender people may feel about the mismatch between their bodies and their gender identity. Gender euphoria is a euphoric or happy feeling felt by one when referred to as their true gender. Transphobia. This is a fear, hatred, disbelief, or mistrust of people who are transgender, thought to be transgender, or whose gender expression doesn't conform to traditional gender roles. Pronouns. People use pronouns every day. For example, she, her, hers, and he, him, his. People also use the pronouns they, them, theirs, as well as many other combinations. Some people choose to use they-them pronouns because they do not identify themselves in the gender norms of she-her or he-him. Think of it as a neutral pronoun. Some people will also use she-they or he-they when they are starting to transition or they feel that that fits them best. Outdated, inaccurate, and offensive gender identity terms. Gender identity disorder, or GID, hermaphrodite, pre-operative or post-operative, sex change orientation, the preferred terms for this are sex reassignment surgery, SRS, she-male, tranny, sometimes referred to as the T-word, is a derogatory slur, 
transgendered and transsexual, and you only refer to someone as transsexual if they tell you that's how they identify. These terms were provided by PlannedParenthood.org. The definitions are directly quoted and some are also summarized for better understanding. Note, LGBTQ individuals may have their own definitions behind the terms mentioned. Ask them how they define these terms for specific clarity. Now, let's get back to the episode. So I am now going to give Juno the floor to start talking about everything that they want to share on this podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> I wanted to start by like saying that like um, I really can't speak for everybody who identifies as trans. Not every trans experience is the same. Like there are things that I can't cover just based on my personal experiences. Like things like trans misogyny are related topics, but are different that I can't really speak on. But there are very important topics. So and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, it's like my personal experience has been kind of weird. <laughs> I think like around like midway through sophomore year, I decided to go by she, they, on my like first gender crisis. And <laughs> in like the year prior, and when I was a freshman, I had like had like, you know, sexual orientation crisis. And so at, like at first it was pretty distressing a little bit. It's just like, I don't know what to do with this information. And yeah, yeah. It, mm-hmm. I get that a lot at the end of the crisis. And just like, yeah, it took a long time to like settle things, even settle on just like she, they, which I eventually like changed from like they, she, and then currently into they, he, she. And it, it just like, it took a lot of time just to like get used, get footing on it and learn more about it and get to a point where I can even start to be comfortable with it because you know it's a big change and like thinking how my friends gonna react to it how's my family and what's this mean for me and like the future that kind of thing what do you mean by gender identity crisis like what did that feel like to you it's very hard to describe because like a lot of it was like realizing how much of the problems in my life have been uh, actually been secretly a result of like dysphoria and gender gender identity like not fitting into the like um cis female uh, identity it was definitely like very um trying to think it was it was a weird experience it was scary definitely and I wasn't like sure what to do at first and feeling that way it was very like almost lonely even though I did have friends who I knew were supportive and had similar um experiences and it's just like yeah it's really it's a it's interesting it's it's a crazy can of worms <laughs> for listeners who do not know Juno Juno is like located in the southern U.S. or quote-unquote the Bible Belt did that play a large part in your transition and the feelings that you're talking about now? Does that, did that really impact you on coming out sooner or talking about it and feeling safe? Was, what did that play any part on location? Uh, yeah, it did. It didn't play a huge role, but like, cause specifically like the city where I'm at in particular isn't like extremely Bible built. I mean, it is, but like not compared to most 
even regarding like sexual orientation and gender, just anything LGBTQ, it's like very just hearing those hearing people like crazy Christians go off on how they think it's bullcrap. It's definitely BS. <laughs> and yeah, I don't want to insult people's religion, obviously, like I'm Christian too, but like it's it's definitely a struggle having to like deal with being in a Bible belt state. I don't I don't really have it as bad as a lot of other people in like in more crazy anti-trans or crazy Christian states, but like it's definitely a thing that can cause problems. Oh, definitely, definitely. So you mentioned that you feel that you can feel really lonely at school, even though you have supportive friends. Does the way that the school is run or anything like that, did that contribute? Like, well, like, let's say, did you have any problems with sex ed classes? Oh, yeah, I definitely did. And like, um, something I'm like passionate about talking about in general is just like the importance of teaching sex ed in schools, like in a way that's actually like helpful. <laughs> yeah, and definitely, it's just like, I really didn't know much about the LGBTQ community until like eighth or ninth grade, which definitely like had an impact on my middle school experience and leading into high school, um, my struggles with identity and like loneliness even. And uh, I definitely think that it's more than important to teach LGBTQ sex and schools and and about other gender identities. Like it's, it's extremely crucial and not enough people get that. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that was very well said, because I know for me personally that not having LGBTQ plus sex ed was extremely damaging to me because since like the fifth grade, I've known how sex works with a cis female and cis male, but I've never had a school provide that type of learning. You are currently listening to the Well, That Wasn't Helpful podcast brought to you by WVCW Radio. I am your host, R. Hollis, and you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. I know that we were going to talk about you being autistic, and does that play a really big role in, say, people believing that you're trans and different stuff like that did your age come into play like were you questions were you questioned a lot when you first started changing your pronouns due to really any reason yeah definitely and even if it wasn't like a major play it was definitely like um it was definitely something that like played a prevalent like role and like with my family talking about my opinions regarding gender politics that like they don't agree with um I was always met with like people not believing me or trying to convince me saying that they're going to be supportive but they really don't they think they're supportive when they're not and uh and definitely like even just even not just with gender but like sexual orientation too it's just like are you sure you're a lesbian that kind of thing it's just like yeah I'm pretty sure <laughs> It's it's crazy. It drives me insane because like so many people think they can decide who who's trans, who they think is trans and who's not. And like even if they're it's just like it's none of it's nobody's business except for the trans person. You know, it's like it's their identity and they'll decide what to do with it. It's really not up to anyone else's debate. 
and not enough people get that. Yeah. And I think that people, people have a misconception that being transgender means that you're going to have full like surgical sex change and that you're going to have this drastic shift all at once. But I'm, I know for a lot of people that transitioning takes a lot of time because you have to figure out what you're comfortable with. And some people move at a completely different rate. Some people will dress differently, just like the definition that we talked about earlier, that there's no right way to be trans. And I think that that is really important to say and talk about because even within the LGBTQ plus community, a lot of people will say, you're not the right kind of trans. You're not, you don't fall under what I believe is trans. And so I think that what, what are your opinions on that? Like the speed in which transitioning takes and where you're at on that journey right now? Yeah, I definitely agree that like, that's a consistent problem is like people saying, even within the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community that like, you're not the right definition of trans. And like the thing about transitioning is like, it's, it's very slow. Even like things as simple as like changing your name and pronouns are like the first steps in transitioning and not even in every case, you know, it's nobody's business except for the trans person, what they identify as. And like, in my opinion, it feels like the incomplete process of transitioning can take like a lifetime, really, if not then like most of it. Cause like, yeah, a lot, like you said, along the way, you're discovering your identity as you're transitioning. And and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of people think you have to settle on an identity before you start your transition. Like, no, the second, the second you, in my opinion, at least, the second you, like, things as uh, simple as changing your name and pronouns, that, like, that's the first step. And it's different for everybody. And I really can't speak for everybody. It can take years for somebody to settle on an identity that feels right for them. Even I, I haven't fully settled on what I believe my identity is, what I, what feels right for me. And cause like, it's a long process, especially for like almost peer pressure for young trans kids to kind of like almost get their identity over with that kind of thing. But like, that's just not how it works. It takes your whole life. And especially when you're a kid, you need to remember you have your whole life ahead of you and it can definitely get impatient. It really can. Cause it's like, especially with dysphoria and having to deal with transphobia, you wish you didn't feel so confused on top of having to deal with the world being crappy about transgender people, sadly. And it's like, you got to balance that. There really is no rush. There really isn't. And none of, and it's something that's important to remember even if you want it to, you want to settle on something, it's just like, even if you, you set, you can settle on something now. And if you decide it doesn't feel right for you, that's okay. And I feel like that's important to teach. Definitely. That's, those are really, really good points. <laughs> when it, so going back to like, when it, when it comes to high school and having to tell your friends, having to communicate with teachers, were people accommodating because you now go by a different name. You don't go by your birth name that was given to you. How did you go about communicating that with, with your high school? 
it was always like step by step for me personally. I'm sure a lot of people feel similarly. I started just by like coming out to like close friends and like eventually just coming out to more people that I felt comfortable doing so. I'm not even out to the whole school yet, obviously. And like, I don't know when I'll do that. Mostly just people who pass my vibe check get to call me by my real name and just people I trust. And even then, it's still definitely scary. Like sometimes I really don't know who I can trust and whether or not something's going to be a safe environment for me. Like even just like not even even at school and like at home, even just like out in the world during my daily life, it's like, am I safe to be out or not visibly? Yeah, like an underlying fear because I definitely had that when I lived in the same state as you because it's not very accepting. Definitely the, the city part of our state was a more liberal quote unquote, but yeah, where I lived, it was country, you're Christian, you're straight, all of that. And so I definitely relate on the, is it safe to be myself moment? And so I completely understand that feeling for sure. Yeah. And a large part of that feeling comes from like my home life in particular. I won't name names, obviously, but like contradicting opinions between me and my family and struggling and like hearing judgments from them, even not directed towards me. And just like wondering, trying, trying to find a way to like feel safe at home, even when I can't really be my entire self, you know, that's been a constant struggle for me. It's hard to like formate into words something that makes it even harder is just like, I'm also semi-verbal. So sometimes I can't even like physically speak and explain things to like my family when they do ask questions and not just my family, but other people too. It's just like when they ask questions, sometimes I can't even like, I don't even know how to respond, that kind of thing. But like, I want to be an educator, but like sometimes it's hard to, mostly since like it's hard to speak in general, that kind of thing. It's an extremely hard topic to talk about, regardless of having separate things going on. Yeah, exactly. Our hall is here. You are listening to the Well, That Wasn't Helpful podcast. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. This was brought to you by WBCW Radio through Virginia Commonwealth University. What are some things that you have done at home to make you feel more safe, make you feel like yourself without having conflicts with family or friends? Mostly it's just like communicating it with like my therapist for one and mostly kind of like setting boundaries with my family or at least trying to that kind of thing. It's definitely like hard because for the most part, I feel like I have to live in secret pretty much even just down to like name and pronouns, even and beyond that, like my personal experiences with mental health stuff, including and including like autism and feeling like I'm being treated less of a person, especially at home, but in other settings too. It's just like, it's, it's been hard, honestly. And I try to, I try to like, like do things that help me feel more like myself 
just doing the things I like to do and spending time with like my friends who are accepting and things like that. I definitely think that finding people that are considered your own personal safe space is definitely important. And I'm really glad that you have people that you can go to for that. Yeah. What are some other topics that you would like to bring up? Something that was also like a thing that was like persistent throughout transitioning was like gender dysphoria and euphoria. Just like, I don't know if people talk about how like painful dysphoria can be. I feel like it's something that does need to be talked about because it's like, it's different from just not liking the way you look. It's, it's, it's almost impossible to describe. And even sometimes it's hard to just like pinpoint exactly what it's, what's causing it beyond just like being dead named or using people using the wrong pronouns for you. And like, on the other hand, something that like kind of, it's also really important, like the whole gender transitioning um, is, you know, euphoria. Dysphoria can be like subconsciously brushed aside as something else, but like euphoria can like really sell it that your gender identity is not cis, you know. For one of my experiences with euphoria was like swim in the ocean with with outs, with like wearing my normal clothes. I know it's weird, but like um swimsuits always gave me dysphoria like a lot ever since for like years now and just like not having to worry about that just wearing my normal clothes over swimsuits like that was actually euphoric I know it's weird but like it definitely was like eye-opening made swimming a lot more fun (laughs) oh I that totally makes sense because when you feel uncomfortable in your body there are definitely certain things that you wear how you look that contribute to that underlying fear as well. And so I'm, I'm so happy that you figured out that changing swimwear was a way to make you feel more like what you feel on the inside rather than how you present on the outside. Yeah, exactly. And like one of the problems that like, as well as dysphoria is just like facing judgments from other people, just like, why are you swimming in your normal clothes and uh, people saying, or like people saying like you're dressing too much, too masculine and even things like hair and general, like, like zits as well, things like that. It's just like, even the relating to like um, autism related stuff. Like I hate having my hair messed with. It's like partially dysphoria related and as well as sensory, sensory stuff. And I get a lot of like judgments from my family regarding that, which is a problem. And I try, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And stereotypes definitely play a huge part in things. And going back to the, there is no correct way on being trans or anything like that, because I have really, really short hair and people assume that I have short hair because I'm gay and I have short hair because of sensory issues. <laughs> hair, yeah, exactly. Like long hair makes me feel really, really, really uncomfortable. And so how you dress and how you look physically doesn't make who you actually are a thing. It's just a way to express yourself. And there are definitely other reasons. So I think that that was definitely a good topic to come up with. And 
how did it feel trying to dress in different ways in high school, like during school, while you're still around the same people, while you're around your family? Was that difficult? It was definitely like strange to do and a bit scary. It felt good. It felt right to do. And it felt like I felt more comfortable in my body doing those, doing things like cross-dressing more. But like there was also the fear of judgments or people making assumptions. Like what you were saying, there's no right way to be, there's no right way to be trans, you know, as well as just like not accidentally outing myself to my family via wearing more male-centered clothes, you know what I mean? It was definitely like something that made a huge impact in my life was like taking those steps towards presenting a different way, which was very important, you know. How did it feel when you decided to choose a new name? It was definitely really weird at first because like, even if like thinking back, I, n- I was never really that comfortable with my old name, with my dead name. It's just, it's still just like, it was really weird to settle into because it, it's felt, I feel that with like a lot of things regarding gender, it's just like, it feels right to like change your name or change your pronouns, but also it's a, it's like, it's a big change, especially since like something you've been called since like your entire life. And now you might have to tell, and you're going to have to tell people that like, this is what you go by. That's like anxiety inducing, especially like with family, even if you're not out to them, it's like, what are they going to say? How are they going to react? And it's stressful, but like, it was definitely eye opening. And I found that like my new name suited me a lot better. Does your school have a GSA, which is a gay straight alliance? I don't believe we do. Do you think that it would help you at this moment to have something like that available for you? I feel like it definitely could help me and a lot of other people. And especially and especially with like both sexual orientation and gender related stuff, because like what we really need is like listening ears and people willing to at least try to understand where we're coming from. Even just like sitting down and asking questions and in a way that's respectful and just like willing to understand and just like talking about it. And it's really important. And I definitely agree that like something like that would be really good. So Juno and I have gone to the same school and I have graduated obviously a few years before them. But I remember a topic that was talked about when it came to discussing LGBTQ plus rights in class. I remember that being extremely hard. And I have you ever experienced that because you're you're you'll be in you'll be in class and people are debating whether you should have rights or not. And I, I remember that happening. And I wanted to know if you've experienced that and how you felt when that happened, because that plays a really big part in being a trans person in high school or really anyone in the LGBTQ plus community listening to your fellow classmates talk about whether you have basic human rights. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've had any personal experiences with that in class, but like, I know there definitely has been instances both in and out of my 
classroom setting where stuff like that has happened and it's definitely yeah it's definitely a mess just like I don't need to let people listen people ask thinking that I don't have basic human rights it's definitely a mess and it's definitely very stressful when I even hear about things like that happening it's just like it's very easy to not discuss things like that that kind of thing when we should discuss lgbtq but not about whether whether or not we think they we need rights which we do (laughs) yeah have you been able to confide in a teacher about anything that you're going through at the moment uh yes i have also like um my counts like counselors uh one in particular and for the most part, I have I have been met with like understanding and people who are supportive and which is good, obviously. And I feel really lucky because of that, that I get the opportunity that a lot of kids like me don't really have. And it's definitely relieving to like even it's like even if it's like even if it's still like younger adults, it's very refreshing to hear people other than just like kids hearing people other than people my age say things older adults too just like people who you would assume to be like um transphobic just based on the time period they grew up in it's it's a breath of fresh air when people understand You are now in the final portion of the Well, That Wasn't Helpful podcast. I am your host and creator, R. Hollis, and this is brought to you by WVCW Radio. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Be sure to follow our channel so that you can get updates every week on our latest podcast coming out. Is there anything that has been just completely unhelpful that your school has done when it regards to your identity, your transition, anything like that? Was there something specific that was harmful to you? There is one instance. I don't, this didn't really happen to me directly, but like just hearing about it made me like, uh, it's like, I guess in one of the classes in a different grade, they were going to do something related to LGBTQ and they're like, lab design thingy which is a new class that I thankfully don't have to take and like I guess the teacher's response to being inclusive was like going to talk to a conversion therapy agency which <laughs> I know excuse me um I know and I heard about that and I'm just like I don't think that's what we meant and yeah just, even if that wasn't my class just hearing about that just like can you just not do that, please? No, stop. Don't. <laughs> there, yeah. yeah, there are many other ways to represent the LGBTQ plus community by not specifically talking about all of the negative things. You can talk about positives with LGBTQ plus communities <laughs> in school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, the negatives are important to discuss, but also the positives. Do you have any resources that have been provided for you for LGBTQ plus resources or anything like that? Have you been provided those, even if it's not taught in classes or those available for you? Uh, yeah, there are plenty of places like 
uh, amplify, like amplify Tulsa campfire, a lot of places that are, it's just like, yeah, even like Planned Parenthood, like you were talking about, like you mentioned before, plenty of bad ones too, but like still there's some good ones. But did the school give you any of those resources? Like, did they provide Um, you pamphlets? Did they provide you anything of that sort? Because I definitely know that there are tons of resources in your city, but I was just wondering if that was ever provided or available for you. um, It really, the only time it really was, was like during my diversity group when places like this place called campfire was we would bring guests in from there but like otherwise really not much i've learned about some of the other groups just like via my friends or like them being mentioned in things like college prep classes as opportunities for volunteers but like pretty much nothing else would it have been helpful for you to have those resources even sooner than what you're going through now yeah, I definitely would have been trying to do research like back when I was like still first questioning things. It was it, that was still like definitely stressful. It's just like because I couldn't really find that many good resources. And it would definitely would have been helpful to have more of those as I was beginning to transition. Definitely. And and it's extremely hard when you're in middle school and high school and you don't have access to a car or you can't drive at that point and you aren't comfortable coming out to your family. It would have been extremely helpful, even for myself, to have those resources provided at school, even if they're not going to teach it. I do believe that having even resources that you can pick up yourself and try to work through would be extremely helpful in middle school and high school. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like that could also tie into like teaching proper sex ed, especially LGBTQ sex ed, finding good resources. It's important to be taught these things because like if you're not taught about them you're in school, you're going to learn the hard way or learn from a bad source. And just like people need to be made aware of that, like there's good sources available and like, yeah, that kind of thing. What was the most helpful thing that you have learned while you have been in this transition journey that you would like others who are going through a similar situation to know? One of the things that was really, that really stuck with me that like, I think my friend helped me with is like, it takes time to find out, but like thinking about what exactly does, does gender mean to you? It takes a long time to like correct those like ideas of gender and and sexual orientation that are like pressed onto us since like birth that like you have to be straight or you have to like given you have to like fit these stereotypes and fit the mold that kind of thing one of the first most important parts of transitioning is like working towards breaking free of those like molds and things that society is pushing on people uh, especially like kids like me and finding yourself in a way that like society doesn't push on you and like having patience and finding that even if you're like initially questioning your gender and then like in the end you still find that you're cis or something it's just like you'll still have a better meaning of gender than you did in the beginning you know what I mean definitely and I think that it's important for people to start understanding that it's okay to change your mind and continue changing your mind and it not be held against you I think that's one thing that 
is extremely prominent within the LGBTQ plus community because gender, sexual orientation, anything on that spectrum is fluid no matter what. And so I think that people being open to changing without causing issues and saying things like, you already came out as gay, why are you now pansexual? So I think that that is also an extremely important thing that I have my two cents on for people who are trying to understand the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, I completely agree. And also just like realize in fact, like other people's identity are none of your business. You can't decide who's trans and who's gay. It's like, it's up to other people. Just let them do their thing. Live your own life. My main thing about everything, you don't have to understand what's going on with me. You don't have to understand what's changing. You just really need to accept it. And you just need to create a safe space for that person because it's not you you hating isn't going to change how a person feels or identifies that's just not going to (laughs) happen it's not going to happen so I think that that's like my biggest thing it's like you don't have to understand I just want you to accept it and we can move forward (laughs) exactly it's just like there's some things that like like cis people and straight people just like will not be able to fully understand just because they don't have that experience. It's just like about being willing to learn and being accepting even it's just, yeah, exactly. And like, and like you said, just like, what do you think? What do people think they're going to get out of being judgmental? It's just like, that's not going to change their identity. They're not going to be like, Oh wait, you're right. (laughs) That's not going to (laughs) happen. Exactly. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share for this episode? This is definitely a good opportunity. It was really like relieving to be able to talk about these things and being open. And I really hope that like people learn something from this. It's yeah, I definitely think it's important. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. This concludes the sixth episode of the Well, That Wasn't Helpful podcast. If you or someone you know is looking for more information about the LGBTQ community, check out Planned Parenthood. They have a variety of options, including support when coming out, definitions and terms like we talked about today, and health and wellness tools. If you're wanting specific information about LGBTQ resources, go to PlannedParenthood.org, click the drop-down menu titled Learn, and click Gender Identity and it will take you directly to the page where that topic information is provided. By visiting their website, you have access to scheduling an appointment and finding clinics within your area. You can get STI checks, STD checks, and even pregnancy tests, and a lot more. Go to PlannedParenthood.org for more information to stay safe and healthy. On the next episode of the Well, That Wasn't Helpful podcast, we're going to be going over how to manage anxiety and ADHD as a young adult. If you are between the ages of 15 and 22, or you'd like to just suggest a topic for future episodes, email thatwasn'thelpfulpodcast at gmail.com. I will then provide you a Google form to fill out so that we can get everything squared away. All interviews are done via Zoom. So be sure to subscribe, share it with others, and post about it on social media. I can't wait to hear from you.
The That Wasn't Helpful podcast is brought to you by WVCW Radio, all student-led radio at VCU. This is R. Hollis, and thanks for listening.